One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The sound of the helicopter's rotor blades thumped in my ears as we hovered above the choppy waters. I exchanged a glance with my teammates, each of us wearing the determination that came with being part of Navy SEAL Team 6. This wasn't our usual mission. This was a top-secret assignment, one that had an air of mystery and danger that set it apart. The research facility below was shrouded in an eerie fog, its outlines distorted by the mist. It looked like something out of a nightmare, and as the helicopter descended, my gut twisted with a mixture of anticipation and unease. We were briefed only on the essentials. That the facility had been abandoned for years, but recent satellite imagery showed signs of activity. As we touched down on a platform jutting out from the facility, I took a deep breath, picking my gear one last time. We were a team of six, each of us armed to the teeth, and prepared for anything. The moment the helicopter's blades stopped spinning, we moved as a unit, entering the facility through a rusted door that groaned in protest. The interior was a maze of dimly lit corridors and abandoned laboratories. 
Broken glass and debris littered the floor, and the air was heavy with the musty smell of neglect. We moved cautiously, our steps echoing in the silence as we searched for any signs of life. As we delved deeper, the eerie feeling intensified. We stumbled upon shattered test tubes and overturned lab equipment. It was as if the place had been abandoned in a hurry, and a growing unease settled in the pit of my stomach. There was something unsettling about the way the rooms were left in disarray, as if the scientists had been running from something. Our radios crackled to life, the voice of our leader urging us to split up and investigate the various sectors of the facility. My team headed down a narrow corridor, its walls lined with flickering fluorescent lights that cast long shadows. The atmosphere was tense, and we moved with our weapons drawn, ready for any threat. As we rounded a corner, we stumbled upon a sight that stopped us in our tracks. In a glass enclosure, what looked like a human figure was suspended in a thick, viscous fluid. But this was no ordinary human. Its limbs were twisted and elongated, its skin mottled and translucent. It was a grotesque fusion of flesh and machine, wires and tubes extending from its body like tendrils. A shiver ran down my spine as I realized the magnitude of what we had stumbled upon. These were the experiments, the twisted creations that had been born within the confines of this facility. The realization hit us like a punch to the gut. Whatever had been done here had gone horribly wrong, and we were in the midst of its aftermath. Our radios crackled with urgency as the other teams reported their findings. Mutated creatures, once human, were prowling the facility's dark corridors. The tension escalated as gunfire erupted in the distance, and we knew that time was running out. As we regrouped, the facility seemed to come alive with unnatural sounds. Whispers echoed through the halls, and the flickering lights cast eerie shadows that seemed to dance in the corners of our vision. Tenek threatened to take hold, but we pushed it aside. We were Navy SEALs trained to face the worst situations imaginable. With our backs against the wall, we fought off the creatures that were once human. Their twisted forms moved with unnatural speed and agility, but we were a force to be reckoned with. Bullets flew and the sound of combat reverberated through the facility. But it wasn't just the creatures we were fighting against. As we pressed forward, we discovered a control room where screens displayed distressing images plans to release the horrors into the world above. We realized the true gravity of our mission, to not only survive, but to prevent these abominations from escaping to the surface. With newfound determination, we fought our way to the heart of the facility, where a control panel loomed ominously. My heart pounded as I set the self-destruct sequence, a grim smile on my face. We had found the facility's Achilles heel, the fail-safe that would ensure that the horrors within would never see the light of day. As we made our escape, the facility began to shake and rumble, its foundations groaning in protest. The creatures that remained scrambled in confusion as alarms blared and we raced against time to reach the surface. The air grew thick with smoke and the acrid smell of burning machinery. We burst out of the facility just as it erupted in a violent explosion behind us. The shockwave rocked the platform, sending us sprawling to the ground. We were battered and bruised, but we were alive. The helicopter swooped down to pick us up, its blades chopping through the smoke, filled air. As we soared above the roiling waves, I cast a glance back at the facility. 
It was a fiery inferno, the culmination of the horrors that had unfolded within its walls. Our mission had been a success, but it came at a cost. The memory of the mutated creatures, the eerie experiments gone awry, would forever haunt my dreams. But as I looked at my team, battered but unbroken, I felt a sense of pride. We had faced the unknown and emerged victorious, and the horrors that had lurked beneath the surface were now nothing more than ashes on the wind. As the morning sun gently streamed through my window, I had no inkling that my life was about to take an unexpected turn. At exactly 7 a.m., a knock on my door interrupted the tranquility of my morning routine. Curiosity peaked. I opened the door to find a man dressed entirely in black standing before me. His sharp attire and serious demeanor immediately grabbed my attention. He wasted no time in introducing himself and ushering me towards a sleek black Buick sedan parked nearby. Something about his presence exuded an air of secrecy and urgency. Without exchanging many words, we embarked on a journey to a nearby cafe. Once seated, he began to speak with a captivating intensity, recounting an extraordinary sighting he had experienced the previous day near Tacoma, Washington State. The images he painted were so vivid and detailed that it felt as though he had transported me to the very scene of the sighting. He described six peculiar objects, donut-shaped and unlike anything he had ever seen before. His words were laced with a sense of awe and trepidation, as if he had stumbled upon a secret that demanded utmost discretion. It was then that he made a chilling statement urging me to remain silent about the incident if I truly cared for my family's well-being. His words hung in the air, and I couldn't help but feel a knot of unease forming in the pit of my stomach. Who was this man, and why was he sharing such sensitive information with me? The gravity of the situation became all too real. Days later, as I attempted to make sense of the encounter, I found myself faced with a devastating turn of events. Two Air Force intelligence officers, Frank Brown and William Davidson, who had been involved in questioning me about the sighting, tragically lost their lives in a plane crash on their return to base. The timing and circumstances were far too coincidental to ignore. Then, fate struck again. Kenneth Arnold, another investigator involved in unraveling the truth behind the sighting, experienced engine failure during a flight back home forced to crash. Land he narrowly escaped with his life. The pattern of inexplicable incidents unfolded before me, weaving a sinister tapestry of danger and secrecy. Rumors began to circulate, attempting to discredit the authenticity of my encounter. Some claimed that I had admitted to fabricating the entire story. However, a teletype from the Seattle FBI Special Agent George Wilson to Jay, Edgar Hoover shed light on the truth. It stated that I had not admitted the story was a hoax, but rather mentioned the possibility of claiming it as such to avoid further trouble. As a park ranger, I've become immune to many weird and strange occurrences in the woods. Unnatural. Looking animals, strange figures, and even paranormal phenomena have become a part of my everyday life. The rule I follow is simple. As long as I don't interfere in matters that don't concern me, I'll be safer. Most of the time, this rule works, but sometimes things get 
far too real and far too scary. I belonged to a group of rangers stationed in a remote corner of the park, surrounded by a vast forest. Last week, something happened that I can't simply ignore like I usually do. My partner, whom I'll call Carlos, and I had patrol duty for the night. We had recently been relocated to a cabin where many rangers had stayed in the past. It was a decent little space with two adjoining rooms and a small bathroom. Luxury was the last thing on my mind in the middle of nowhere, especially considering the nature of our job. Around 7 p.m., after having some tea and reading the news, we put on our gear and left the cabin. With not many rangers stationed nearby at the moment, we had a lot of ground to cover. I personally enjoyed walking in the dark, finding it strangely peaceful. It had been scary in my early years as a ranger, but over time I found solace in the tranquility it offered. I once asked Carlos if he preferred patrol duty in the dark, but he didn't care for it. Most people wouldn't. As we walked, I observed the thick, tall trees, the moist brown soil, and the cool breeze. The holy trinity of good vibes, in my opinion. I would have liked to listen to some music, but it tended to make me drowsy, so I settled for the random noises of the night. The wind oscillated between sudden gusts and gentle breezes, creating a rhythmic symphony of rumbling leaves and crackling bushes. We walked in silence for an hour before getting bored and engaging in some small talk. Carlos began by cracking pathetically lame jokes, which eventually transitioned into sharing horror stories. Despite his orthodox background and belief in the paranormal, his stories were genuinely spine-chilling. Around two or three in the morning, we sat down on a fallen tree. I took out some juice, but it felt unnaturally cold for the weather. The condensation on the outside surprised me. I didn't remember bringing in that cold. Looking back, it should have been a major red flag. As we shared more stories, Carlos was in the middle of telling a particularly eerie tale about a flying vinegar. Dipped vampire from the Philippines when I heard a groan. My instincts told me it was the sound of an injured creature, but it didn't feel like an animal. It sounded human, like the grunts of an older woman in pain. The groan was distinct, and both Carlos and I jumped up from the log simultaneously. He had heard it, too. I nodded at Carlos, and he pointed his flashlight in the direction of the sound. The groan came again, a little more distant this time. I called out, but there was no response. With my right hand on my firearm and my flashlight in my left, I followed the direction of the voice, repeatedly calling out. The groan echoed once more, and we increased our pace. I led the way while Carlos hurriedly trailed behind, continuously calling out, Hello? Is anybody there? After a minute of walking, we discovered the source of the voice, a short, pale old woman wearing a black cape. She was facing towards us, but looking straight down, mumbling something. Her appearance sent shivers down my spine. She was bald, and her skin was a dead-looking dark blue. Her cape was tattered and baggy, and there was an unmistakable sense of unnaturalness about her. But in the off chance that this was a human in need of help, we were obligated to assist her. Carlos approached the woman cautiously, asking if she was hurt. When she looked up, I saw something that chilled me to the core. Her eyes were pitch black, devoid of any humanity. They seemed empty, as if there was nothing behind them. Her skin, too, had an eerie, lifeless quality. It was then that I noticed her mouth. 
a gaping ear-to-ear gash on her face. In that moment, everything within me screamed that this wasn't a human being. The unnaturalness of her appearance sent waves of fear coursing through my body. The woman, or whatever she was, suddenly pulled up her hood and shifted her gaze toward me. Without speaking a word, she transmitted something to me telepathically, and then, in an instant, she vanished into thin air as if she had disintegrated into nothingness. I stumbled backward, feeling a mix of disbelief, terror, and confusion. Was this encounter with an alien or a demonic entity? I looked over at Carlos, and his face was paler than I had ever seen it before. He knelt down, audibly whispering a prayer under his breath. It took me a while to find the strength to get up, my legs still trembling violently, but somehow they still functioned. We made our way back to the cabin, following the markers on the trees. Once inside, I poured some hot tea while Carlos sat at the table with his head in his hands. It was around 5 a.m., and I couldn't help but feel the weight of the traumatic encounter we had just experienced. I mustered up the courage to talk about what we had seen, but Carlos remained silent, unresponsive to my inquiries. Seeing him in that state made me realize the profound impact this encounter had on both of us. By 9 a.m., I decided to contact my superior and inform them about the incident. However, their response was dismissive, questioning if we had been drinking on the job. Frustrated, I hung up, realizing that we were on our own and dealing with this strange occurrence. We'd broken the rule, interfering in a matter that concerned us, and now we had to live with the consequences. Despite the trauma, Carlos and I couldn't resist the pull of the forest. Night after night, we returned to the woods, still following the rule in hopes that it would protect us. This job meant everything to me, and I didn't have a plan B. But deep down, I couldn't shake the fear of encountering that sinister presence again. I tried researching the incident, hoping to find some reference or explanation. It reminded me of the legend of La Llorona, a weeping ghost from Mexican folklore. Whatever it was, whether an alien or a demon, it radiated an undeniable evil. Why it chose to reveal itself to us, I may never know. All I hope for now is that I never have to see it again, and that the rule we've abided by for so long will continue to keep us safe. New Orleans, 2005. I remember that night vividly, as if it happened just yesterday. I was a police officer responding to a call about a possible break. In at the home of an elderly deceased person. Little did I know that this was just the beginning of a series of bizarre encounters that would shake the foundations of our beliefs. As we investigated the case further, another call came in. Two suspicious individuals were spotted prowling around a boarded-up house near the swamps. My fellow officers and I rushed to the scene, ready to confront any potential threats. We approached cautiously, our hearts pounding with a mix of anticipation and fear. In the dim light, we saw them. Two men dressed in black suits, standing ominously in the shadows. Without hesitation, we made the decision to confront them. But when we fired our weapons, they vanished into thin air, leaving no trace behind. It was as if they had simply melted away, defying all logic and explanation. We scoured the area searching for any sign of their escape route, but 
found nothing. It was as if they had never existed in the first place. Confusion and disbelief filled our minds as we tried to comprehend what we had just witnessed. Weeks later, another unsettling incident occurred. A man claimed to have been abducted by an unknown creature. He described them as tall, pale figures with no hair, their faces resembling skulls. Despite their otherworldly appearance, there were enough human-like features to distinguish them from any known creature. According to the witness, they attempted to communicate, but their language was incomprehensible. A jumble of sounds that defied all linguistic understanding. The encounter left him bewildered and shaken, struggling to make sense of the inexplicable. Officer Mike Farrell, a senior member of the New Orleans Police Department, expressed his frustration in finding any information about these creatures online. He knew that the accounts of these encounters would be met with skepticism and disbelief without concrete evidence. As the reports continued to pile up, each one more baffling than the last, it became clear that there was something extraordinary happening in the swamps of New Orleans. Strange sightings, unexplained phenomena, and a sense of unease permeated the air. One particular incident shared by an off-duty officer sent chills down our spines. He had witnessed a fellow officer disturbed by an encounter during their shift. They had been dispatched for a welfare check on an elderly woman, but upon arrival, the house appeared untouched. No signs of forced entry or any indication that someone had been there. Curiosity got the better of them, and they decided to keep an eye on the property. To their astonishment, they noticed a light flickering in one of the windows, despite there being no visible connection to any source of electricity. Determined to investigate, they rushed inside, only to find an empty house, devoid of any signs of life. As they resumed surveillance outside, the officer's attention was drawn to movement in the shadows. Two figures emerged from the darkness, one tall and imposing, the other small and mysterious. They watched in disbelief as the figures approached the house, but before they could react, the figures vanished into thin air, leaving them perplexed and filled with an eerie sense of dread. Something inexplicable hung in the air that night, an electrical charge that added to the surreal nature of the events unfolding before us. These encounters defied all logical explanation, leaving us questioning our understanding of the world and the presence of forces beyond our comprehension. To this day, the strange occurrences around the elderly woman's missing case, the unexplained lights in the house, and the enigmatic figures that haunted our thoughts remain unresolved. The incident I am about to share took place in the bordering area of Guyana and Venezuela. It was an encounter that left the dog owner shaken and described it as both bizarre and distressing. In an interview with the local media, Mr. Amsterdam recounted the events that unfolded on that evening. He had been taking a leisurely walk with his faithful canine companion when suddenly a colossal black creature emerged, seemingly intent on attacking him. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. He referred to it as a big black monster, its presence evoking fear and trepidation. However, his dog, in an act of unwavering loyalty and bravery, leaped into action, putting its life on the line to protect its owner. The description Mr. Amsterdam provided of the creature was chilling. He likened it to something out of a nightmare, referring to it as monster-like and diabolical. The creature ruthlessly constricted the dog's neck, snuffing the life out of it with a savage onslaught. After the heinous act, the creature swiftly departed the scene, leaving Mr. Amsterdam in shock and grief. Grateful for his own survival, he expressed gratitude to God and his fallen companion for saving his life. The loss of his beloved pet had left an indelible mark on his heart, as his faithful companion had accompanied him everywhere. As news of the incident spread like wildfire on social media, others came forward sharing their own strange experiences in the same vicinity. Gavin Liverpool, a user on social media, recounted an incident from the early 2000s when a similar creature attacked a dog near the Mercuria police outpost. The creature had vanished into the darkness, leaving the dog to suffer until its demise. Speculations ran rampant among the residents, with some suggesting that the creature could be a werewolf or an evil spirit that only prowls the night. However, there were also those who criticized the dog owner, asserting that he should have been more cautious in protecting his pet. A user named Sheik Ibrahim expressed deep sympathy for the dog's tragic fate, but also emphasized the importance of human responsibility in such situation. Some residents argued that if the creature had been a black panther, it would have carried its meal into the night instead of simply abandoning it. The incident left the community bewildered and on edge, grappling with the mystery of the creature's identity and intentions. It served as a chilling reminder of the unseen forces that coexist alongside us, lurking in the shadows of the night. As the debates and speculations continued, the people of the bordering region remained cautious, wary of the unknown and the secrets it held. So my sister called my family the other day and told my parents about a strange man that she and her friend came across. They had been there for about a week and were out walking in the redwoods when a man appeared out of practically nowhere and startled them. My sister claimed the, he looked completely normal and was even kind of handsome, in her opinion. But he gave off a creepy vibe pretty quickly. He apparently began asking them weird quesrions like who they were and what they were doing out in his woods. After they explained that they were just out exploring, he quickly got annoyed and said they were liars 
My sister and her friend began to walk away quickly, as they assumed he was probably on drugs, but he walked after them and said more weird stuff. She says he even asked them to kiss each other because he knew they were lesbian lovers. They aren't lesbians, by the way. My sister's friend apparently turned around and screamed at him to leave them alone. My sister said this is where he got scary as hell. She says he gave my sister and her friend the missed, evil, and hateful look she's ever seen in her life. And he said this in response, you two are such disrespectful bitches. I've killed a few of you over the last few years, and ill love to add you both to my count. My sister and her friend didn't even hesitate, and both booked it right after he said that. They heard him chasing after them and screaming at them. My sister says that she couldn't make out much of what he said. Other than that, he would chop them up and a few other threats. They both made it safely out of the woods, and they didn't see him anywhere. They got in their car and sped back to the town they were staying in. They called the police to file a report and headed to another area, and will be heading home soon. I'm scared and pissed off that some creep did this to them. I served my country, Great Britain, for 12 years all over the globe. I've seen my fair share of face. The face was some of the most evil people on earth, but nothing comes close to this. I was sent to Alberta, Canada to do some training back in 1993. On the first day, I and a friend decided to go for a walkabout to get to know the area. We bumped into a few Canadian soldiers. A few words were exchanged, and one shouted back, Don't let the monkeys keep you awake. They laughed. We just looked at each other and then carried on. While out on exercise, a few of the guys said they were woken up in their sleeping bags by being pulled along the ground. I heard this a few times over the weeks. Also, their kit rations and other bits going missing. Nothing came of it. Also, an incident of one soldier missing who was found the next day miles away from his platoon. He said he couldn't remember why he got separated, but felt that he was followed during the night by some animal. Nothing more was said. We spent around 19 months out there. On one occasion, I was going out to check the lay of the land, and a group of Canadian soldiers were just coming in. It looked like they had been out for a few days, looking at the state of them. One of them asked me, you going out? I replied, I don't know. He said, monkeys, watch your back. I replied, okay. I was thinking that I heard this before. I noticed the guys had their heads down. They looked pretty worn out. A few months on, one of the guys said something about seeing three bears walking toward him on two feet on a trail while out walking. I immediately thought of walking on two feet. I went to find him. This was just a few hours after his encounter. I couldn't find him anywhere. The following day, I asked around as to where he was. He's gone, a guy said. What do you mean, gone? Gone back to his regiment. I knew straight away why. I later found the guy who told me about this. He just didn't want to talk about it, so I left it there. It was September. I remember this well because I lost two of my best friends, and I was feeling very down and lost. It was a bad time in my career for me. I decided to go for a drive, a weekend, break. I had an old pickup truck and just drove, not really going anywhere in particular. I stopped for a break in a beautiful area not far from Medicine Lodge, Alberta. 
I had been on the road for two days, sleeping in the back of the pickup. I decided to go for a walk on a trail along a tree line. I walked about a hundred yards away from the tree line, and I see a coyote just stop on the trail. I had never seen one so close. Our eyes met, and we just stared at each other. I suddenly feel uncomfortable. The coyote keeps glancing back and forth from the tree line. I'm really feeling anxious, not because of the coyote, but what's in the tree line. The coyote moves backward and forward, then just disappears into the grass. I'm left staring at the trees. Something is telling me to come closer. I can't explain this, but my head's telling me no. I don't know how long I was there, but I'm so scared. I never felt so much fear, to the point where I felt sick. I slowly walk backward, keeping my eyes on the tree line. I then turned and ran like a bad dream. I got in my pickup and never looked back. I still think about it to this day. What was in those trees? The months go by, and then my battalion comes over for an exercise. One night while out, I was with another mate. We were parked on a hill overlooking a large bowl down below where a platoon of men were all sleeping. It was around 2.30 in the morning, clear skies. You could see a good distance without using any aids. My friend was asleep. I noticed a group of coyotes down below. It looks like they were looking for a free meal. I'm thinking, is this what happens when someone feels they're being dragged in their sleeping bags? Could a coyote have that much strength? I watched them for a while, getting bolder by the minute. Then suddenly their body language changed. Four of them ran in one direction while one was just standing there looking up the hill. I looked through my night vision. Then, all of a sudden, three human-type figures just stood up one after the other, all of different sizes. The first thing that stood out to me on adjusting my sights is that I could clearly see that the largest one was a Bigfoot. No doubt about it. It was standing at nine feet tall, and the second one was around seven and a half feet tall. The other one was six feet in height. I looked at my mate still snoring away and just left him to it. The details on the tallest Bigfoot were easy to see. Wow, so big. I could see his eyes. They were all looking in my direction, then just turned and walked down into another valley. I could see the hair swaying on his arms, even the calf muscles. I'm just smiling to myself. To me, this was the last piece of the puzzle. I had recently told my daughter about this. She believes me. There are so many people that know about these creatures, especially where I was. It's common knowledge. I think about them every day. I'm glad I saw them, and I've always believed that they existed. Some friends and I used to go exploring in the woods. We were all insomniacs and never slept, and we'd even walk around when it was night with flashlights, obviously. We'd wander around until we got tired and then turn around. Dumb, I know, but we were young and thought we were invincible, and we also grew up out there and knew the area really well. Well, one day we get really deep in. We've been hiking for over a few days. Obviously, we've taken breaks to rest and eat. We've been planning this, but we were in the part of the woods we'd never been before. No one really went in this part because there's a rumor it's haunted. There's no particular reason why it's haunted. People just say it is, and everyone stays away from it. So... Obviously, that meant the five of us needed to check it out. 
We've been hiking for a few hours again, and we stumble upon this. Compound. I don't know what else to call it. It was a bunch of huge brick buildings. I mean, hundreds of them. They were all falling apart and caving in. Overgrown with ivy, but there weren't any signs anywhere. We decided to check it out. Some of the buildings are pretty unsafe. The floors have caved in, but we're so fascinated wondering WTF is this place until we start to notice something really weird about it. It's these huge buildings, but there are no bathrooms, no kitchens, no closets, just rooms. Just a ton of rooms in all the buildings. They all have chimneys, but there's no fireplace except a huge incinerator room that leads into a smaller incinerator, a room that has like a fake door that leads into an even smaller room with some teeth. We start getting a little freaked out, but we figure it's probably just animal teeth or whatever, so we move on. We decide to go in one last building because it's closer to where we came from and is more in a clearing so we can make a safe getaway if we need one. Now, while we're here, the whole time it's been eerily quiet. The buildings have all been really dirty, but we start to notice it's also really weird that there's nothing left behind in any of these rooms. No furniture, no clothes, no odds and ends, no beer bottles or chip bags from squatters or teenagers. There's also windows on the outside of the houses, but no windows inside, like the rooms are just walls. We climb into this house through a hole on the side of the wall because the door won't budge. It's small, and some of us have to squeeze in. I go in first, and I immediately feel just weird, bad. I tell them to hold on, but they make it sound like I'm being silly. So we laugh it off, and they all come in, but then we all feel weird. We notice this is the first staircase we've been able to find. All the other buildings have three stories, but there were no staircases anywhere. This staircase is right to the side as soon as we walk in. We all kind of look at each other like we want someone to say we should leave, but none of us want to be a loud bitch, so we decide to go up the stairs. My friend and I go first to check it out, and again, it's just a bunch of empty rooms. But my friend and I start getting really creeped out. Our other friends are exploring and find this creepy-ass book sitting on like this beam in the middle of one of the rooms. And then we notice a door to the side, which is weird because there haven't been any doors, so we decide to open it, and immediately. We want to scream, but we suppress it. We know we can't. There's blood everywhere. It's a bathroom. A small, tiny bathroom with a tub. There's blood in the tub, and the walls, and the mirror and marks where it looks like someone was dragged but was trying to pull themselves away. We take some pictures before we get the F out tie there, and we turn around, and our faces are just pale. Our friends ask us what's wrong, and we say nothing. It's just a closet. But we know we need to leave immediately. We feel like we're being watched, so we don't say what we saw. We continue checking around and saying how cool stuff is. We don't want to let up. We saw anything. But then our friends start going down the hallway, even though it's so dark down there that their flashlights won't even work. We look at each other knowingly, and we grab them and say, Hey, let's check out this room first to the side, because we missed it. So we put them closer to the stairs and us closer to the hallway in order to try and get them away from whatever we feel like is down there. Our friends are clueless and peek into the other empty room while my friend and I hear something move. Something definitely human. I can't describe it, but I know it wasn't an animal. 
It's like a shuffle across the floor and almost a whisper. Our flashlights all start to go out one by one, which we think is weird, but we're telling our friends it's just probably because of the batteries. We tell our friends we gotta go check out that room we missed downstairs first before we come back up here and check out the cool hallway. My friends don't know what's going on, so they start going down the stairs. A marble rolls down the hallway. One. Single. Marble. We all freeze. We see a big hunting knife downstairs that wasn't there before. You can see part of the room downstairs. From upstairs. By this time, my friends know something is wrong. Something creaks. We shout. Run. We run down the stairs, but we all have to fit through the tiny hole, but something is blocking it. We're freaking out. We hear laughing. My friend and I break the glass on the door and kick through the rotten wood, but it's still a smaller, just bigger hole. We send them through. Then my friend goes, I'm in the doorway. I look up. I see a sliver of two or three figures in different parts of the house. I see a blade in one of their hands. We all book it. I mean, we ran faster than I've ever run in my life. We didn't stop for hours. We just kept running and running and running. We told our friends not to stop. We said we have to keep going. Eventually, all of a sudden, we just felt this weight lift off our shoulders. It was like the woods even got lighter, more beautiful. We slowed down. We kept walking for a while until we were absolutely positive, and we went through some riverbeds to throw off our tracks and set some fake ones. Our friends had no idea what was going on, so we finally tell them that someone was in that house or building or whatever and was about to straight-up murder us or do something worse and that we had found someone's murder bathroom. We show them the pictures and they start freaking out and are upset. We didn't show them, even though they admit they would screamed, which would for sure given us away. We all were silent the rest of the way out because we were so scared. We finally make it out a while after as the sun is rising and we call the police, but they don't believe us. We were just teenagers at the time. We can't even tell them where it was because we stumbled upon it and we were so freaked out. A few days later, there's a fire in the woods. They find some remnants of structures and a few buildings are left standing, but not the one we were in and no evidence of someone living there, but everyone in town thought it was weird, but in a cool way. Except us, obviously. The police said if anyone was there, it was probably just a buck they were skinning, and that's all. But I know it wasn't. My friends and I have never talked about it again. It's kind of like an unspoken rule, and we never go to those part of the woods, not even in that general direction. As a park ranger in Yellowstone National Park for many years, I never anticipated the terrifying encounter I had one fateful night. With darkness surrounding the vast wilderness, I embarked on my routine patrol, oblivious to the horrors that awaited me. The night was unusually quiet, a thick mist veiling the towering pines and casting eerie shadows on the forest floor. Venturing deeper into the park, my gaze caught an unmarked trail, beckoning me with intrigue and curiosity. Unable to resist its mysterious allure, I ventured into its uncharted depths. The path led me away from the familiar track, winding through dense vegetation and twisted trees. Silence hung heavily, broken only by the rustling of leaves beneath my boots. I couldn't shake the feeling of trespassing in an ancient realm, untouched by humanity. As I ventured further, a bone-chilling coldness settled around me, 
causing the hair on my neck to stand on end. The dense canopy blocked the moonlight, plunging me into an impenetrable darkness. It was then that I heard a low, guttural growl that reverberated through the stillness. My heart raced as I scanned the surroundings, searching for the source of the ominous sound. Amidst the shadowy undergrowth, I caught sight of a towering figure resembling Bigfoot, its massive frame blending with the darkness. Fear gripped me, threatening to immobilize my every move. Instincts surged within, urging me to escape the clutches of this cryptid creature. I attempted to retrace my steps, but the winding trail seemed to morph, guiding me deeper into its lair. The creature pursued me with a disturbing grace, its elongated limbs propelling it effortlessly through the underbrush. Its hot breath grazed my neck, its thunderous footsteps closing in. Desperation flooded my veins as I desperately sought a means of defense. In a moment of clarity, I reached for my rifle, hands trembling with adrenaline. With unwavering determination, I aimed, fired, and unleashed a flurry of bullets at the advancing beast. It howled in pain, an otherworldly cry that reverberated through the night before vanishing into the depths of the woods. Gasping for breath, I collapsed to the ground, overwhelmed by the weight of the encounter. Sweat drenched my brow as I realized the magnitude of what I had witnessed. The memory of that cryptid creature lurking in the darkness would forever be etched in my mind. Yet, as I sat there shaken and alone, a nagging thought consumed me. Who would believe my account? 